When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Elijah, are you ready to bring on the weird? I'm ready to bring on something, dude. It's uh, it's weird. Oh, it, yeah, well, it's out there. But it definitely it'll tug on your heartstrings a little bit, you know. Oh my goodness! It's so weird, man, because it's gonna be in our kids' history books. Yes, it is. Like my kids, and definitely. I mean, you got a couple younger ones. Yeah, uh, we're. <laughs> We're moving the orders to college this weekend, which is wow. crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Time flies, man. 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago, man. She'll be 19 here in October. But one of her wow. cousins was born on the day. In 2001? Yes. Oh, my God. What a birthday, huh? <laughs> yeah. So he turns 20. On 9-11. Wow. Yeah. His mom's already got some kind of emotional stuff going on with herself, and eh, that didn't help. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> what time was it? Was it later in the day? I don't know what time he was born. Because maybe he could look at it this way. Maybe he's a reincarnation. Oh, shit. I never thought about it like that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if it would work that way, because I think, would the reincarnation have to ha- happen Prior to getting pregnant or right at conception? I don't know. At conception? Didn't we talk about one situation where the soul, the souls talk and one bumps the other one out? Like, hey, man, look, I went out bad. Can I get a redo right now? Oh, you know what? That does sound familiar because I think I was telling you a story about a lady who did that right as someone was dying. She just hopped right in or something. Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess the people know what we're doing. I mean, we did well, tell them last week, sort yep. of. Um, but I don't know what we're going to call this one. Nine, just nine eleven, nine slash eleven, part one. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, or just just do that date, September eleventh, two thousand one, part one. Do is it going to be more than one part? I mean, it depends on how far down a conspiracy road we want to go. Yeah, because we could. That hole is deep, brother. There's a ton of conspiracies about it. And some of them, I, they range from, yeah, that makes sense, to what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really crazy. There's probably more conspiracies about this than there were of the JFK assassination. Well, there's so much information that is just open to the public with this one. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean... It happened in New York, so there's already a million people there, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. No, it's probably not an exaggeration. It may be low. Yeah, I think that might be a little low. 
<laughs> There's probably a million people in Philadelphia. Yeah, probably. Uh, but when I was discussing this with my wife, she's like, are you really going to do that? You know, it's, it's still soon in people's minds. Yeah. We lived it ourselves and we were just kids. We're not out to be insensitive to anybody. No, that's not, you know, we goof around and stuff like that, but we're not going to make fun of the victims of this. Oh God, no. You know, I might call the, the fucking hijackers or whatever, some assholes. There's another guy that I did some research on. I'm likely going to call him an asshole. Oh yeah. There's, there's definitely plenty of assholes in this, but we goof around with stereotypes who doesn't? It's yeah. only good fun. We're fucking humans, man. We're humans together in this. Yeah. I don't care about skin color. I don't care about the genitals you wear between your legs. We're humans. The ones you wear, can you swap them out? <laughs> I like to swap well, mine up for a bigger model. <laughs> I don't know, man. If you go to the doc and say you want to swap it out, I think, <laughs> I think you're going to get a different result. <laughs> it's true. I don't know if you could swap it out. I think you could change it. But I don't think you can swap it. Because I think once it's gone, there's no reconnecting everything. How did we go from something so nice, like you were saying, that we're going to be... And then here I go, I come in <laughs> talking about exchanging my genitals. <laughs> got to make it light. The whole thing's got to be light. <laughs> <laughs> there's still people that suffer to this day from that event. Physically or emotionally? Both, I would say. I didn't know if you were talking about the people getting lung cancer or if you meant people who lost loved ones. But yeah, probably both. It was, I mean, it was 20 years ago. 20 years sounds like a long time. But when you're edging 40, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I saw a thing the other day. We're closer to 2050 than we are in 1990. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Uh, not good. No. <laughs> Because in like 1990, that wasn't that. Oh wait, that was that was a while ago. Yeah, you think yeah, that was 10 years ago. It was. It was 30 fucking years ago. <laughs> Insane. Yeah, time is relative. Doesn't matter. Do you remember where you were on this day? Yeah, I was at college, getting ready to start my day. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you know I remember where I was on 9/11, September 11, 2001, just like the. You know, I know where I was. I remember where I was when Elvis died. It's, it's one of those things that. Yeah, you don't remember any other day. There's no other day that sticks in your head. Like, what were you doing on September fifth, two thousand one? Who fucking knows? Yeah, I don't know. Some people could probably pick out the breakfast they were eating on this day, twenty years ago. I know exactly. I was in ninth grade Earth Science <laughs> when the teacher turned it on. And I remember being just a dumbass ninth grade kid joking around like, mm. oh shit. So I like jumped under the table, like being goofy, but like mm. it was a big fucking deal. And I was just a kid, you know what I mean? I didn't understand how serious this was. It it never dawned on me either. I, it was a Tuesday and I think that was a day. Yeah, that was a day for some reason I decided to, I in school, I think on Thursdays. But for some reason, I did it on Tuesday also, because why not? They wanted us to wear ties. Shirt and tie. The ladies dress up in nice outfits, and the guys wear shirt and ties. Where the fuck you and, go, Amish school? No. <laughs> oh, well, it was Amish country. York Technical <laughs> Institute. <laughs> oh, 
I think my wife had to do that. I think she had to dress nice on certain days. Yeah. To just do the human relations thing. Uh. Business casual, business formal, more like. But for some reason, this day, it was never, I just woke up and decided to do it, and that's what it was. Black pants, black tie, black button-up shirt. Holy crap. Where are you going to a Metallica concert? (laughs) And, you know, just like you said, I was fucking around being a kid. I was like, oh, I'm in mourning. And the teacher's Mm. like, ooh. And he took me to the side, and he's like, what are you talking about? You know anything? What are you doing? I'm like, what? He said, you can't do that. I I was just joking. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, I remember we got out of school early, Mm -hmm. and I was like, fuck yeah, this is great. Because I was like, more time to play basketball in the driveway. I wasn't thinking all those people were going to lose their lives. I wasn't thinking that this was going to throw us into a 20-year fucking war. At least. Yeah, I mean, it's not done, yeah. We're about to go right back, probably. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. They took out who they wanted to take out. And, I mean, remove them from the area, I mean. I'm sure we're going to go back. Yeah. Uh, but... Regardless of the who's and what's and why's of what happened on that day, and regardless of all the speculation and all the crazy conspiracy theories, whether they're true or not, on that day, when things happened, there were no political parties to fight over. Skin color didn't matter. Nobody cared about your sexual orientation or your gender. Regular people plunged into the pandemonium to help their fellow humans. Yeah, I remember the the sense of nationalism this you know just the sense of being patriotism yeah patriotism it was huge there were flags on everybody's front door yeah it was nuts it didn't matter who you were Mm. well i mean i guess it did kind of matter who you were because if you had a a turban or whatever right away it didn't matter in the pure chaos i don't think that part mattered well no not until they found out like oh oh shit it was then wasn't it well found out or I don't know. That part might mm. get covered some other, maybe on part two, but <laughs> I don't know if they actually found out or if they made them that. Yeah, that whole thing is very interesting. They had so much time. I was thinking about that, too, because I finished that book, The Hunt for a KSM, and it got me, dude. I was in it. There were so many names that I will not ever be able to pronounce on my own. I know. Did you go through that book? Did you look at any wild names, you know, for an American? I didn't look at that book. I listened to a book called 9-11 Conspiracy by Albert Jack. Okay. And it was like two and a half hours long. It was narrated narrated by Albert Jack, and he was not a great narrator. Also, (laughs) maybe a little racist. Oh, boy. See, we don't need that. I mean, he sounded like an older guy to me. And I feel like the older guys from, for one, the older guys are a lot of times inherently racist. <laughs> and the older guys, they were all about the country anyway. And then you come over here and attack us, like, fuck I, you and fuck all of you. Yeah, that's that's a whole other level of patriotism. That's, ag- that's aggressive patriotism. Yeah, to, to the point of a, a detriment, I guess. Yeah, maybe. What I did was, just to get things rolling or something, I, I looked up, all I did was Google Heroes of 9-11. And the first one that came up, just 
I just picked that one and I'll talk about this one. We could do a dozen episodes on the people that did everything that was there. Yeah, we could probably do a separate part for each conspiracy as well. Probably. There's a lot to this story. Did you hear about the man in the red bandana? Mm, it rings a bell. I don't know if I know the story, though. Uh, Wells Crowther. He was a 24-year-old. He, When he was a teenager, he was a volunteer firefighter. He worked on the 104th floor of the South Tower. And when it got struck, he jumped into action. But first, he called his mom and left her a voicemail. Mom, this is Wells. I want you to know that I'm okay. And then he went to work. Went from the 104th floor to the 78th floor where the sky lobby thing is, where it's just like, must be a transition area. They have uh, express elevators so you can hurry up and get to the ground floor. Mm -hmm. Because 104 floors, dude, that's far. I think they only had in each tower one elevator that went top to bottom. Really? Yeah, I think... They would go part of the way up, and then you'd have to hop off and get on another one to go the rest of the way up. Man, what a pain if you worked on the 104th floor. My guess is it has something to do with safety. I don't know for sure. But the elevators that went top to bottom, I think they were only maintenance elevators. Okay. But he, he went from the 104th to the 78th on stairs and found these people. And amidst the chaos, he was this commanding voice in the haze and the debris. And he told people to get up. If you can move, move. If you can't, we'll try to help you. Try to help somebody else if you can move. And he wore his red bandana around his mouth so he could breathe because of all the smoking crap. Yeah. And when he got there, he had already had a woman on his back carrying her and then carried her down another 15 floors along with all those people that he'd come across then got her and the rest of them to safety and said, I'm going back. He went back up? Yeah. 24 wow. years old. He went back in, and uh, later on, his body was recovered alongside firefighters in a stairwell heading back up the tower. Wow, what an amazing human being, right? Yeah. I would like to think I would do something like that, but in the in the heat of the moment, I would just be like, let's go. <laughs> I was literally just about to say the same thing, that I'd like to think that I would do something like that, but I don't know if I would. You don't know until you're in the situation. You don't know what you're going to do. I think I'd grab the people immediately around me and hurry them along and then grab whatever stragglers on my way, but we're all going. I'm, I don't think, I don't know if I'd go back. Once there's so many in front of me, I don't know if I'm going back. Well, I think it depends on your home life. Yeah. If I was in that situation, probably the same with you, you'd think, I just want to get out and see my wife and kids again. Yeah, all that goes to your head, I'm sure. But yeah, I don't know. I, I probably couldn't pass somebody and just leave them. No, holy crap. But again, it depends on how things are going. If if it's starting, if that inferno is starting to rage and I'm thinking I got to get home to my wife and kids, I might say, see you, dude. <laughs> You never know. You're not going to know until you're, actually set, or until you're actually in the situation. Right. But now that the happy mopey stuff, we got through that. We're all still humans. Where do we begin with the craziness? I don't have their names, 
because I didn't put them in. I didn't even, the guy was saying them and I didn't put it, I didn't know how to say it, but there were 19 hijackers yeah. that, that boarded the four planes bound for the West Coast on the morning of September 11th, 2001. Soon after taking off, they, they just attacked the crews of the planes, stabbing them with box cutters. Uh, at 8.46 a.m., American Airlines Flight 11 out of Boston was flown into the North Tower of the World Trade Center between the 93rd and 99th floor floors. And initially, witnesses who saw it thought it was just a small like commuter plane that had lost control. They thought it was an accident. I guess it's hard to judge, you know, the size and stuff. Yeah, I guess when you're 104 floors below, or I guess 90 at that. Yeah. So the first one was American Airlines Flight 11. The second plane was United Airlines Flight 175, which was also out of Boston. It struck the second tower at 9.03 a.m. between the 77th and 85th floors, just 17 minutes after the first plane hit. Damn. Yeah. And then people started to realize, hey, this is not an accident. We're being attacked here. What time did they take off? I don't have the takeoff time. It was shortly after takeoff when they took control. They attacked. Okay. Um, I was hoping you had that since you were going down it, but 7.59 a.m. American Airlines Flight 11 took off from Boston. Okay. And then 8.14 a.m., United Airlines Flight 175 took off. So both less than an hour after they took off to when they impacted. Yes. And did you read anything about the transponders in those? The Like the black boxes? Uh, no, the, um, the radio control. Supposedly, you can just turn off from being seen on radar. But that's bullshit. Really? You can't just turn off radar. They didn't have transponders before. Yeah, I don't. I never heard of that. When I was reading down this uh, that I have here, they mentioned that about turning off the transponders and not being able to be seen on radar. But the article said, "What if a country doesn't even put a transponder in a flight? That means right. we'll be having flights from all over the world crash into the United States." So he's like, "There's no way that you could not be seen on radar by turning off the transponder." That's bullshit. Now, this goes into conspiracy, and I don't, I didn't put it, I didn't even put it in my notes, but I do remember this. Uh, there was a, I think he was a fighter pilot. He remembers seeing like an hour, an hour and a half or something like that after Flight 77 apparently struck the Pentagon. He mm-hmm. remembers seeing that show up on his radar like an hour after it supposedly hit the Pentagon. We didn't even get into Flight 77 yet. No, but it, so it, it shows up on the radar and it has the little, the, the name of it, the flight number. So it was turned back on. How was it turned back on? Well, this was supposedly after it hit the Pentagon as well. Did it show up at the Pentagon on radar? It showed up in the air. He's seeing this in the air. Yeah. Flying. Not there. This is what, what this guy said. Hell? I don't remember his name. I I can come back in episode two with that information. I don't remember. I didn't even think that was going to come up, to be honest with you. But yeah, he... Now, there's a whole sect of people who believe nobody died 
in the planes. There were no planes hit, and I'm not of that mind. <laughs> Something happened. Yeah, I believe people died on those planes, and I believe planes hit the towers. But that goes right in, right along with the people who say, there weren't even planes. <laughs> I'm... I'm with you. I'm sure there were planes, but there was something funny about the planes. What's that? They were not at passenger capacity. You know, I was wondering that when I heard how many people died in Pennsylvania. I was like, that doesn't sound like much. Here, let me let me read this to you. We we talked about when they were started to take off. Uh, American Airlines Flight 11, a Boeing 677. Our 767-200ER, that one had 92 people on it, and its capacity is 181. Almost wow. half. And the article that I was reading, for each one that it went through, for each one of the flights, it goes, Curiously and fortuitously, for any potential hijackers, over 80% of the plane seats are empty. That was for flight 11. And then it goes down to... Flight 175. Uh, or no, that was Flight 175. Flight 11 was, curiously and fortuitously for any potential hijackers, nearly three-quarters of the plane seats are empty. <laughs> three-quarters? Yeah, let me read all this to you. Flight 11 at Boeing 767-200ER, 92 passengers. Could hold 181. United Airlines, Flight 175. Boeing... 767-200, not an ER. ER was a slightly different model. There were 65 people in that, and it can hold 216. Oh, my God. Flight 77, Boeing 757-200, had 64 people on it, can hold 200. Flight 93 was the same model, Boeing 757-200. That had 44 people on it, and it can hold 200. How at that... Oh, that whole thing seems weird that the hijackers were on these almost empty flights. Yeah, and it, I mean, it seems like it would be a fairly popular flight. You know, it was not a red eye. Right. It was first thing in the morning. Going from the East Coast to the West Coast. Yeah, some of them were going all the way west. I, th- I thought all of them were. Um, 11 was taken off from Boston. Oh, I. Don't know where they were all headed. Were they all headed to the West Coast? All all of them far West Coast? I believe so. That's what that's one of the reasons that they were chosen because they'd have full fuel tanks. Oh, okay. Which I would think even if I was going from fucking Philly to I don't know, Florida, you better fill that thing up. <laughs> don't be taking no risks, man. Well, that's that's even more weight. That's their thing. Yeah, that's a good point. And flying from the East Coast to the West Coast, you're flying against the jet stream. Yeah. So it takes a little more juice to get going that way. But still, like you said, fill it up. I don't, like, what if we get diverted? Some shit goes down in South Carolina and you're headed to Florida and yeah. we got to go We got to go out to Tennessee? Fuck that. Yeah. Fill it up. <laughs> where are we? What's going on? The planes, they cause tremendous damage, like where they hit. Mm-hmm. On towers one and two, and they they burst into flames. They started to catch on fire. The office workers above the crash sites, mm-hmm. these poor, they had to make a terrible decision, a very tough decision, which was either 
risk being burned alive or to leap out of their fucking windows, dude. Oh my God. Can no. you imagine? Ugh. Like, I'm almost positive I'm attempting to go down. But if you're if you're trapped in your office, like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, well, there's nothing you because if you're trying to go through the flames, there's smoke too. Yeah. So you're they're gonna. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I could push myself to leap eighty stories. Well, it's certain death, and it's a. I'm. Imagine it's a very quick death where being burned alive is uh, right up there with drowning or being buried alive or you know what i mean it's yeah that's torture until the end yeah and if anybody has a family member who died in this we don't don't i don't know i don't know how to say it man because we just said it's like torture till you're dead like yeah we're really trying not to be insensitive to the victims right but some stuff just doesn't doesn't add all the way up you know what i mean According to some of the stuff that I looked at, and I'm sure you looked at too. Yeah. Well, so this will bring us to our third plane, which was American Airlines Flight 77, which took off from Dulles Airport. Remember Dulles? (laughs) Which is 26 miles west of downtown D.C. At 937, Flight 77 was the one that struck the south side of the Pentagon. There's an interesting conspiracy about the Pentagon thing, but I'm not going to get into it in this episode. I don't know if you had plans to, but it's going to stay out of this one. All right. But the transponder on Flight 77 alone is really weird. It, where it left in Dulles, did you see its flight path? Oh, I did. I don't. I got it in my notes here somewhere, I think. It went out and it got. An, you know, headed west, got a little bit into West Virginia, and then it diverted north. And then they're like, oh, shit, guess this one's hijacked too. What are we going to do? And then it started flying west a little bit more. Then it went back south and got on its original flight track. And that was weird, right? Yeah. And then it got to just about the the far west side of West Virginia. And then that's when they lost it. That's when the transponder was turned off finally. And they lost it on radar. Supposedly, it was an invisible flight, an invisible jet flying through the air. They didn't know where it was. But come on. All this shit is going down. By this time, the towers have already been struck. I know there's a gajillion flights in the sky, but when goofy shit like this is going on, you'd think they'd be paying attention. The only thing I can think that the transponder would help is to label the plane as a number. I would think radar would work regardless, saying, okay, that's it. The name is gone, but it's still right there where we thought it was. Yeah, that's a very good point. So why do they think they lost it? I don't know. And throughout this whole thing, when things start to go a little crazy, as soon as transponders are uh, turned off and things get a little out of whack, NORAD is notified, and then they send out interceptor fighter jets immediately. Where they're supposed to. And they hadn't. Through almost throughout this whole thing, nothing showed up in the sky until maybe when the last flight went down in Pennsylvania. I heard that they were doing some sort of training, and they thought that all of this was part of the training. That's convenient. Yeah. It's real convenient. I might have heard that in my book. (laughs) So they're just like, oh, okay, everything's training. 
except for when it crashes into a building. But like, I mean, how convenient, right? They they just happen to be training that day. Was it yeah. intentional, or I mean, did the hijackers know that? I, it's it's really really hard to tell. From the book that I listened to, the Hunt for KSM. I don't think the hijackers would have known that much. Those guys over there, uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, he was the brains of the operation. Bin Laden was just the money, I guess. Right. Eventually, KSM was the brains of the whole ordeal. Do you know he actually went to college in North North Carolina? (laughs) Well, it's not... I know. know. Foreigners, you can't, there's nothing to suspect anybody of anything at all. You know, they're just like these, they're non-Americans. They're they're not the party dudes. KSM was not a college party boy in any sense. He was an in, he went to school for engineering, I believe. Hmm. And he just kind of really, really hated, no, not kind of, but definitely hated the Americans who were messing his culture up. All of his fellow... Pakistanis or Kuwaitis or whatever, Middle Eastern fellows mm-hmm. that were at school, they were getting into the party boy mode with all the, the American college kids. And KSM and, you know, a number of others were not into that. So it kind of pissed them off from, from college about America alone, the consumerism, the uh, just the wastefulness Gluttony. of everything. Yeah. Wow. So after the third plane, Flight 77, struck the Pentagon, at 10.03, United Airlines Flight 93, which was the fourth plane out of Newark, New Jersey, Mm -hmm. that's the one that crashed near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And that's the flight where the passengers fought back. They're like, nah, fuck this. Like, we might go down, but you're not going to take out a bunch more Americans. Like, we got this. Right. So I heard two targets for this plane i heard the capitol building and i also heard the white house yeah that's that's what i heard too and wasn't this the flight that was late it was uh, like 15 minutes later taken off than it was scheduled to you know i didn't get that i'm not sure Uh, so if everything the speculation is is if everything was right on time uh all the planes took off their departure time right when they were supposed to take off. Then everybody was in coordination. The two would hit the towers. One would hit the, the Capitol building or the White House, and one would hit the Pentagon pretty much all together. Okay. That would have been even more crazy than what happened because it would all happen at one time, and then it would just be pure chaos. Nobody would know what was going on. There would be no time to react. Yeah, it would be insane. Like, where do we send our resources? Exactly. I mean, it it all happened pretty much at the same time anyway, but it would have been exactly at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it all happened within, what, an hour? The first plane hit at 8.46. The last plane crashed at 10.03. Yeah, just over an hour. Man. According to that book, KSM, this was his his idea... He wanted to use commercial airliners because they were so big as missiles. I could be wrong about who this was, but I think he wanted to bomb commercial planes in India. Oh, there were definitely a bunch of stuff that happened all over the world. 
Like he was trying to get us in India by bombing our planes or something like that. Yeah, they he set up stuff to bomb American embassies all over the place. And what's even more wild to me, I don't understand the whole jihadi lifestyle or religion, but these guys they were running out of they were running out of people to do stuff. But somehow I think it was Bin Laden. He just put out the call and all these guys just said, "Yep. I'll I'll do it. I'll kill myself for for this." Well, I think jihad means holy war. Does it? I believe so. Yeah. So that is probably one of the most religious areas of the world. So if you put a call out like that, everyone's like, "Yeah, I'll do it for Allah." That's right. So I'm not really surprised by that, that he got just hordes of guys coming in. It's crazy. And I think they were mostly kind of nerdy guys, like engineers, like behind the desk kind of engineer guys. They had to get pumped up. They they actually did strength training for, for a period of time, according to the story. Okay. So that they could fend off anybody that they encountered on the planes. You know, this book I listened to, the guy kept calling them uh, cavemen. They were men who lived in caves. Yeah. And he kept saying, like, now how could these cavemen do this? How could they do against the biggest superpower in the world? And they were clearly dedicated. If this story that you're talking about is true, you got these men, little nerdy guys, and then they're over there working out. You know what I mean? They're weapons training. They're doing all this stuff. Oh, yes. Maybe they're not as technologically advanced over there. Maybe they don't have, everybody doesn't have the newest fucking iPhone and all that, but they're dedicated to their calls. And yeah, I wouldn't call them simply cavemen. No, like this guy did. No, like you said, they are absolutely dedicated to what they were doing. They are laser focused on what they want. They tested out security and with different flights so they would on purpose go into the flight with something that they're probably going to get caught with and then just do the time pay the consequences and then just be like okay thanks now i learned like shoe bombs and different types of sharp objects that they would try to take on the planes nope you can't take this whoa you got explosives in your shoe (laughs) yeah Guess I'll spend a couple weeks in jail. I mean, you hear that all the time. Like, crooks, they stake out a thing for weeks, months, even years sometimes before they make their move. It's probably the same thing here. You know what I mean? Right. Or was it? That's the big conspiracy theory. Did they really do it, or were we just told that after a while? I think we were told that immediately, and then they had to stick with their fucking story. Silence into the break. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. 
There. Now that you thought about that. Have you thought about that? <laughs> I do want to say one quick thing about uh, Flight 93. You can find audio of it on YouTube, and you can find it online and stuff of them fighting back. And I just, due to the sensitive nature, I didn't want to play it. Mm-hmm. I do have an audio clip later on I do want to play for you. Okay. But it doesn't have to do with that. But you guys can go find it. I did listen to it. That's why I said it's you know it tugs at your heartstrings a little bit. You can go listen to it. You can find it. But I'm not. We're not going to play it for you. So you listen to it. Yeah. Okay. So there's one theory, and I guess I could say the theory, and then you can either agree with it or shoot it down. Ooh. Yeah. Did not mean to say that. <laughs> but there is a theory that that flight was shot down. Would the recording indicate that? I would say no. Okay. On well, it's hard to tell. I mean, it could have been hijacked and the recording I heard was all from the hijacking stuff and then maybe it did get shot down. Because there was some I know I read it in here somewhere. I was trying to find it, but apparently there was debris up to several miles away. Now, if the plane went straight down, right into the ground, why would there be debris all over the place? Miles away. Wait, which one? 93. Oh, wow. Oh, 93. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 93 was the one in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, I mean, did it go straight down? What What is the uh, official... Oh, you're saying it got shot and then debris was flying off as it was coming yeah. down. Yes. And that's why I asked you if the recording would indicate that or going straight down. You know, it's hard to tell because even if they got shut down, either way, an impact is going to shut it off or being shot down is going to shut it off. Right. I would say they were definitely hijacked and there was a lady in fear for her life and there was a guy possibly the pilot in fear for his life okay and then it just cuts off i believe so now you got me questioning whether i even listened to the whole thing (laughs) let's see the response to the attacks by norad by the u.s air force by the president by his security detail and by all his cronies and underlings looked nothing like the response that would be greeted any that would have greeted any real terrorist brazen enough to attempt an ambitious attack on the home turf of the world's most feared military machine. It looked, instead, like a deliberate non-response. But it was a strange non-response, entirely lacking in consistency, credibility, and plausibility. Did you read about all the stuff Bush was doing? See, initially, without doing any kind of research, my younger brain just assumed that Bush was down in Florida in the classroom, already in the classroom, already reading the book before the planes hit, before anything happened. He was already doing what he was supposed to do down there. Yeah, but that brings up a a question I have. Okay. Which is, why the fuck is the president in a second-grade class in Sarasota, Florida, on the day that the White House or Capitol building could be struck by a plane. 
Why why isn't he down there visiting seniors and telling them you can do great things? He's in a second grade classroom. They're reading him a book. It just seems it it's about 1200 miles away. It seems like a strange visit to me. The president never came and visited me in my second grade elementary school class. What president did? Why right. there? And no president has since that I know of. After Bush was Obama. And did he go to some classroom in some random state? Like, do they, you just pick a state and go to a second grade classroom to have a story? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, that right there is questionable. It makes me think that maybe he didn't know, but maybe Dick Cheney did. Maybe could be. his maybe his other people did, and they're like, "Hey, you know what, boss? I heard this school is pretty awesome. Why don't you go down and check it out? They'll read to you, and then they'll do a weird fucking chant for you." Oh, I don't I don't know about the chant yet. Oh, well, I got the audio for it. So when you're ready, we'll get oh, there. Oh, really? Yeah, we'll get there. That's the uh, the clip I wanted to play for you. All right. I can go down the timeline of what Bush was doing while all their shit was going on. Okay. Uh, at about 9.09 a.m. Hold on. Nope, that's not where I wanted to be. Uh, 9.03 a.m., Justice Flight 175 was plowing into the South World Trade Center Tower in a telegenic pyrotechnic show. <laughs> and Justice Flight 93 became the fourth commercial airliner that morning to veer off its approved route. George Bush began his extended photo op in an elementary school classroom. 49 minutes after the first danger signs, that's when the first transponder went off. 49 minutes before this. Uh, and 17 minutes after the first crash, the skies were free of interceptor aircraft, and the commander-in-chief was quietly sitting in an extremely vulnerable location reading a book about a pet goat. Hmm. So it seemed like he was on a very strict itinerary and everything was going exactly according to plan with Bush far, far away. Right, yeah. It's very weird. Oh, this is the one I wanted to read. At about the same time that Flight 77 became a phantom plane, George Bush, purported president of the United States and commander-in-chief of the armed forces, arrived at the Booker School in Sarasota, Florida for a planned and well-publicized photo op. Everybody knew he was going to be there. Why wasn't he a target? At that time, one commercial airliner had already crashed into WTC-1. So he already knew about it before actually going in. Killing and gravely injuring hundreds of innocent victims. A second wait, airliner, wait, 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 wait. He knew about it before he went in? At that point, the flight had... If he didn't know about it, somebody was not doing their fucking job to tell the president what the hell was going on. Because this was 8.56. Wow. The same time Flight 77 became a phantom plane. All this crazy shit is going on up north, and he's just strolling into the school to do his thing. See, I assumed that he was the the perfect persona of calmness when dude came over to whisper to him, Hey, man, uh, an airplane just crashed into the tower, the World Trade Center. All right, just keeps on reading. They want to, you know, you don't want to alert the kids in the classroom that some shit, crazy shit's going down. And in my younger brain, that's what I thought he was doing. He was just being the persona of calmness without overreacting. But no, he he didn't even start reading before shit was going down. Well, I so I watched a video of him being told that. And yeah, he did remain calm enough for the kids. 
But I think any adult there would say, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, he did remain calm. He didn't jump up and turn into Superman and go flying off to New York. But he sat there, and I could you could see that he was not focused anymore. And he even at one point, he even bites his lip like, ah, oh, fuck. What are we going to do? Yeah. I get that everything is strictly on a very tight itinerary for the president. One time on uh, the, I think it was the Nerdist podcast then, I think it's the ID10T podcast now, Chris Hardwick, Bill Gates was on there. And Chris is an improv comic, so he likes to kid around the whole time. And Bill Gates was trying to kid around, but you could hear on the audio that his handler would keep coming over this is even after Bill supposedly retired from Microsoft. He would keep coming over and hey, you know, we got, we can't, can't say that. We got to go, we got to go pretty soon. There's so much, only so much time. He was telling him he couldn't say stuff. Yeah, like there was motions, and Bill's like, okay, I guess I can't say that thing either. Hmm. So he's got handlers. So if Bill Gates has handlers, there's no reason why the president would not have an entire entourage of handlers. For all his appearances. I got a question whether George Bush, similar to Joe Biden, is even running the show. Right. Because it seems like Dick Cheney was pulling all the fucking strings there. And now Mm. we got a question whether we're going through the same stuff, just on a different side of the aisle. Yeah. Bush's approval rating was like, I think it was like 40 some percent before this and it fucking skyrocketed to like 98% dude after this yeah people not everybody but a lot of people like how he reacted to this and how he was like you don't mess with Texas you don't mess with America we're coming for you You. yeah basically like after I'm gonna jump ahead here just a second after uh, you know after they collapsed and all that Bush on the 14th, he went to ground zero and he grabs it. He stands up on this fucking pile of rubber, rubble, grabs a bullhorn and he starts talking and someone yelled out that they couldn't hear him. And he turned to this person and this, I, this is one of the, the most memorable things of his presidency. He says, he looks at him and he says, I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knocked down these buildings will hear from all of us soon. Those are powerful words. Yeah. And people were like, fuck yeah, man. Don't mess with America. Right. People liked his response to it. A lot of people didn't. I mean, it's just the way democracy is. Oh, yeah. War on terror. Yeah. Can you say it right? Terror. We'll get him. Now he's taking naps. Yeah. At 9.59 is when the South Tower collapses. And then just 29 minutes later, the North Tower collapses. So it's the second tower that got hit collapsed first. That doesn't mean anything. I don't I don't know okay. if that means anything in the conspiracy mind or whatever. But just saying, 959, the, the South Tower collapses. And then 29 minutes later, the North one collapses. And when they go down, they blast smoke and debris throughout the streets of Manhattan, apparently. And they said the site smoldered for like three months. They were constantly spraying Whoa. water on it. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't. I don't know what that would be. Just 
they would have shut off all the anything flammable going to that site. Well, my guess is it's just whatever was burning is still hot as hell and still burning. Like the jet fuel or that have all burned off. Well, I mean, maybe not. Maybe it's molten steel. I don't know. No, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Isn't that the whole thing? Jet fuel doesn't, it will not heat up enough to melt steel. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't really know what to say about that because I'm not a structural engineer. Yeah. Okay, so I heard, I listened to another podcast and I guess their goal was basically to debunk all the conspiracy theories. And they said what happened was it heated up like cross beams. And when he said, think of it like a capital H. Okay. And when that cross beam gets hot, it gets weak and starts to sag and that pulls the top in. Okay. So that's why you get this controlled demolition look because it was pulling that in and then it dropped down and just pancaked all the way down. Interesting. Now I got something. It Actually, this is probably going to have to wait to episode two, but there's a lady, Dr. Judy Wood, who claims there's no way in hell this thing pancaked. And she claims direct energy weapon. Oh, shit. That's a wild one. It's actually way more interesting than I thought it would be. (laughs) Okay. I looked into it, you know, like all these weird conspiracies. It's way more interesting than I thought. But I'm probably not going to get to that in this episode. All right. The one thing that when I was first started to get into this, the one thing that triggered me at first is... The seismic activity for the impacts and then the collapse of the buildings. And it's super, that totally intrigued me when I was reading down it, that there were uh, seismology, seismology, seismic readers. I don't know what you call them. Seismometers? Seismologists? Is it the reading, the people reading it? No, it's the actual tool. Seismometers? Seismonitors? Seismograph? Yeah, them. You know, the Richter scale <laughs> well, guys. I don't know. <laughs> Damn, we sound stupid. But anyway, they they went off before the buildings collapsed. And it was as if they went off with a controlled blast through the ground. So okay. when I was reading it there was there was different levels of it. It was uh it was an explosion in the ground, and then there was an explosion, the way they tested stuff, in the ground, above the ground, so that the shock wave would hit the ground too, and then far into the sky where the shock wave w- wouldn't touch the ground or w- would show almost nothing on any kind of meters on the ground. And what they saw was really what they thought would indication of explosives because it's one initial spike and then drop in the activity, the the wave of activity in multiple multiple locations for for readings. Mm-hmm. Um, so many kilometers out from ground zero, and they said this would the readings that they got would only show that if there were explosions at the ground on the ground, because when the when the towers collapsed themselves. That was a different kind of reading, so that was just ground. 
It just impacted the ground. It didn't come from the ground. It just impacted onto the ground, and it wouldn't be able to penetrate certain rock formations in, you know, deep in the earth far away. So it was very odd readings for for these tools that were out there. The, the Richter scale, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to get a little into Dr. Judy Wood here then uh, because of what you just said. Okay. And uh, she is a doctor. She got her PhD in materials engineering science, and she got it from Virginia Polytechnic Institute. Just want to throw it out there. It wasn't like University of Phoenix where she got it. <laughs> Not bashing it. If you if that's what you got, you that's what you got. But she went to online. No. <laughs> So she states that the towers did not collapse and they were pulverized before they could collapse. Because she's saying they were dustified. And uh, so basically what she's saying is they were built on this foundation that she calls a bathtub. I don't know if that's a, a name for it or if that's just what she calls it. So the bathtub goes all the way down to the the bedrock. Damn. Right. So my question is, if they collapsed, like if the planes took them down, they pancaked down the all the narrative, and they hit that bathtub that these things are built into that is all the way down to bedrock, would that cause a seismic reading below ground? Oh. So maybe it didn't have to be explosions. Maybe that rocked the bedrock out. You know what I mean? Okay, and I don't, you know, in my ignorant mind, that would make sense for you'd have a a sudden concussion of all that material on the ground, and then it was done, like an explosive, boom. Yeah, so you would get it ground level, and you would also get it underground with the bedrock, right? Yeah. I, mean, I would think. Explaining it like that, it, I... It makes sense to me, but we're just dumb. Now, she does go on to, to talk about these uh, the readings on the Richter scale. I guess I'm just going to get into it a little bit here. <laughs> the, uh, the kingdom in Seattle, they demolished that. It was a controlled demolition. And it was, it's just a stadium. It's a dome stadium. You know what I mean? It's not big. Not big compared to the World Trade Center. Yeah. It registered a 2.3 on the Richter scale. Well, shit. Yeah. I think all controlled demolitions do measure something on the Richter scale. Like it's. But the Lamont Doherty Station at Columbia University, when these towers went down, they registered a 2.3 for the collapse of Tower 1 and a 2.1 for Tower 2. Did you say Columbia, Ohio? The Lamont Doherty Station at Columbia University, yeah. Well, shit. It's kind of far away. Yeah, it is. So I guess her argument is if the debris came down, all the debris came down, it should have been much higher. But I guess if they're getting a reading of that at Columbia University, hmm, now I'm questioning her. <laughs> I should have looked up where Columbia University is. Yeah, it seems pretty far away. For reading like that, but still, I mean, maybe maybe it's in New York. Did you find it? I'm looking here. Oh, this is a website. It says copyright at 2020 
by the trustees of Columbia University in the city of New York, Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense then. Now, now I'm not questioning her again. So, <laughs> the two towers, the first one registered the same that the Kingdom did, despite it being much larger. And Tower 2 registered below the Kingdom at a 2.1. The Kingdom was a 2.3. So, she's saying... There's absolutely no fucking way all this debris can pancake down and smash into the ground and not register. She said it would have to be a four. It would have to measure at least a four. And the fact that the disturbance only lasted eight seconds is proof that she said it's destroyed top down by a direct energy weapon. (laughs) Basically, essentially, I guess what she's saying is the direct energy weapon blasts it and just vaporizes and there's videos that she has on her site which I, it's drjudywood.com and uh, there's videos where she's trying to justify look you can see this shit was just she calls it dustification but like things just <laughs> that's a wild one I don't know what to think about that they just dusted everything so what was left is that how the flight, the uh, black boxes were destroyed from that? Maybe. But what was left was not enough debris is what she's arguing. Oh. She's saying there, these things are 100 plus stories. How? Like there's, she's got a picture on her website of an ambulance parked on a street or street level. And the debris is not much higher than the ambulance. I mean, it's higher. They're not that hollowed out. It's all, it's a bunch, a bunch of steel beams. Where do they all go? Steel beams and, I mean, you got all kinds, there's all kinds of material in it. She's saying, where did it all go? Well, damn. Now, people who try to contradict this theory, they say it came down with such force and such might, I guess, that it just fucking pulverized shit and turned it to dust. I could see that with glass. There wouldn't be much left of glass. Right. And I guess I could see that with drywall and shit in there. Yeah. But she's arguing that it was dustified as it's coming down. That's fucking bananas. I don't know what to think of that. It's kind of interesting because there are... She does have some clips, some gifts, and stuff like that on her website saying like, look, you can see this steel beam get dustified, turned to dust. <laughs> And you watch the, I don't know what to think of this because clearly the beam is there and it starts to kind of sway a little bit and it looks like it's starting to drop, but at the same time, there's dust just blasting off of it. Now that could just be debris from the collision The the beam is coming down and then the dust is kind of, you know, like kind of cartoony, like the beam comes down and then the dust kind of stays there for a second and then yeah you know what I mean like when a cartoon character takes <laughs> off running they leave a cloud of dust of themselves there and then it goes away that's so weird yeah what do you think of that do you buy into that one direct energy weapon it's hard to say man I mean Reagan was working on some weird shit called the project Star Wars or some shit like that I I don't know I, I really don't. I, 
I guess my initial, like I said, I decided to look it up. My initial thought was, this is bullshit. Let me get something goofy in the podcast. And then I was reading <laughs> it, and I'm like, huh. But I guess that's kind of the scary thing in what we do, right? The conspiracy world is a lot of this stuff can make sense to some degree. And then you're like, well, any of this could be. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to buy that, buy one thing, why couldn't you buy the other thing? Right. But where where would it have come from? A satellite? My guess would be a satellite. Hmm. That's something I would have never thought to look into. I've heard the theory before, and I was like, bullshit. <laughs> well, we've never... I don't think there's ever been anything else that I've, I've looked into that had anything to do with direct energy weapons. Fighting things off with sound? I don't know. You'd think there'd be a little bit more somewhere, wouldn't you? We just vaporized this tank with uh, some Metallica. I mean, I think there's some people who believe harp is for like direct direct energy. What I don't know. Maybe it concentrates a beam, hits a satellite, and then bounces it to where it needs to go. That's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds science fiction, and it might be. You got to get the right frequency to vaporize something and they figured out steel beams tesla did it remember his earthquake machine oh yeah he dialed up the right frequency and just started shaking his whole fucking building that was tesla that was a long ass time ago yeah that's a good point so <laughs> we might we might be onto something here man holy shit i do i what got should we get into okay that's what i was just getting ready to say i got this guy, did you hear of Larry Silverstein? No, I don't know that name. Oh, buddy, you're going to hate this motherfucker when I'm done telling what? you about this. In July of 2001, he acquired what was finally privatized, the World Trade Center complex. What? From Louis Eisenberg and Frank Lowry in July of 2001. Mm-hmm. Larry Silverstein acquired the World Trade Center complex. He already owned Tower 7, which we didn't even talk about Tower 7. No. That's interesting as well. I might have to bring that to the table next week. Nothing at Tower 7. Nope. So I saw two different things. It was a 99-year lease, which I was like, whoa, what the fuck? That seems like a long time. He got it for $3.2 billion. Where the fuck he get that? He's a, a fucking real estate guy. He's, a, I mean, he owned... Tower 7 already. Oh, yeah, I guess. But he only spent $14 million of his own money. Is that it? Yeah. And the rest of it was from investors and shit. And his his company, which was, I guess, Silverstein Properties or something. When he did this, he got a hefty insurance policy on the center, which included terrorist attacks. (laughs) Which isn't... I guess it's not too surprising because the World Trade Centers have been bombed before. Maybe just covering his bases. 1993 is when they... That's one of the other big ones where they tried to take it down. and That was from the basement, right? Yeah, they tried to bring it down from the basement. That didn't work. That was just a little car bomb. Yeah. Killed some people. Destroyed some stuff. Including themselves. Oh, wait, no, he didn't. No. Because that dumbass 
a day later, I think I think the rental company it was a rider vehicle. The day before, they uh, said it was stolen, and I think the guy who rented it said it was stolen the day after it blew up. <laughs> what? He wanted, to get, he wanted to get his money back from the rental. <laughs> you say it got stolen the day before. The the rider company, the rental company, yeah, said it got stolen, and then the guy went into the rider company and said it was stolen the day after it exploded. I know. What is the, uh, that's what I'm saying. This dumbass should have said it got stolen the day before the fucking bombing. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. there was still a VIN number they could put together out of the debris. So they're like, no way, dumbass. That's not what happened. <laughs> What but they didn't get they didn't figure that out until he had already left the country and he was never heard from again. Oh, really? I think that was the story. Wow. I think that was the guy. Yeah. Wow, he ding-dong ditched the World Trade Center. Yeah. He got his money back. Maybe I could I might be wrong on that. I'll definitely revisit that for the next episode and get the right details for that. I might have <laughs> some two I might have a couple stories mixed up. But anyway, that's okay. Larry Silverstein. He got it. Didn't spend much money. Got terrorist insurance, which sounds fucking crazy. <laughs> how much does that cost? Uh, flood insurance is a bitch, but how much is terror insurance? I don't know. <laughs> the The towers, they were old. The ribbon cutting form was April 4th, 1973. They were built from like 68 oh, to 70 something. Like they were, yeah. But they were riddled with asbestos. Asbestos, like fireproofing everywhere, insulation, stuff like that. And they had to be renovated. Okay. So the cost to do this would have been almost as much as the buildings were worth. So they sent multiple requests to demolish the buildings. But they were denied. What? Because it would blast a plume of asbestos all over New York City. <laughs> so they would have to renovate floor by floor, removing it. So Silverstein, who always had breakfast and meetings at the Windows of the World restaurant near the top of the North Tower or at the top, I think it just near the top. That day, however, he had a dermatologist appointment in the morning, which his wife hmm. made him go to. You're not skipping this, man. You got that fucking skin tag. You got to get rid of it. You got to get that taken care of, buddy. Which I guess it's possible. I mean, anything can happen on any given day. It's possible the day that his towers were fucking destroyed, he had a dermatologist appointment that his wife made him go to, this fucking billionaire. But when I think of a billionaire, I think, I'm not going to listen to my fucking wife. I got to go in and make some money. And, uh... The doctor can see me on my time. He can come to me. He can make a house call. Yeah. Paying him enough. Dermatologist. So it's likely that happened. What's a little more unlikely, though, my friend, is both of his adult kids, who also worked in the towers, were both running late because they were stuck in two separate traffic jams, allegedly. So they weren't in the towers either. Mm, what is their normal punctuality? I wonder, somehow they were, you said it was his, his kids. Yep. So I'm assuming his kids don't live with each other. I would guess not. That's why I 
made sure to say they were adult kids. And they were coming from different places, and they were both running late? Both running late. Do they normally both run late? Do they happen to have, were they having some drinks together the night before, celebrating the future insurance policy? Maybe they're like, fuck it, Dad's got a dermatologist appointment today. We don't have to worry about being so punctual. But still, that is a lot of weird shit. Very convenient for all these people to be in different places mm-hmm. at the same time. So then, Silverstein went to court over this destruction. And he claimed that he deserved to be paid out twice. Because twice. it was two separate terrorist attacks. He argued it was two attacks. <laughs> You're laughing now. This motherfucker won, dude. He won. He got $4.5 billion. You gotta be kidding me. What the fuck? Yeah, and he didn't even pay for the cleanup. Like, that wasn't on him. So this dude just fucking... Look, I kept seeing him called Lucky Larry. And yeah, he buys these towers in just fucking... What, four months? July, August, September. Two months. Just two months before they get fucking attacked by terrorists, which he just so happened to buy insurance for, he bought extra insurance, actually. he It wasn't just <laughs> like he bought extra insurance and he made sure to get terrorist insurance as well. The day he's supposed to be there, he's not. The day his kids are supposed to be there, they're not. And then they fucking get hit. could could be a coincidence but I think this motherfucker just demoed his buildings without a permit where do the flights come in then I don't um, when okay so this is more in depth than what I put here he is friends with Benjamin Netanyahu so next week I might tell you how the Jews did it (laughs) because that's (laughs) Yeah, that that's actually really interesting as well. Uh, when you said Silverstein, that's that was a check in my head. I'm like, oh, mm, that's a that's a Jewish name. And he bought it from Louis Eisenberg. Also, sounds Jewish to me. There's a large group of people who believe that Israel was the ones who did this. <laughs> but when he bought it, he changed the security to a company I can't remember the fucking company and the owners of the company was George Bush's brother and George Bush's cousin what the fuck mhm the owners of the security company mhm he switched security companies from July which mm-hmm. I guess you want the people that you want in your building yeah my god what the hell Lucky Larry seems a little fishy to me. If the mafia's around, Lucky Larry might be sleeping with the fishes. Maybe. Or he's he's paying them off. He's probably paying them off. They're going to him for protection. <laughs> They're probably his security. <laughs> oh fuck. But oh man, we I did want to play this clip for you. Do you want me to save it oh, for yeah, the next yeah. episode? Or do you want it in here because we were talking about Bush? Well yeah, Bush came back up, so why not? Okay. So, it's this weird chanting that the school kids are doing at the school he was at, where they are reciting, 
I'll just play it. Get ready to read all these words on this page without making a mistake. Look at the letter at the end and remember the sound it makes. Get ready. Kite. Yes, kite. Get ready to read this word the fast way. Get ready. Kick. Yes, kick. Sound it out. Get ready. Kick. Sound it out. Get ready. Kick. What word? Kick. Yes, kick. Boys and girls, sound this word out. Get ready. Steal. What word? Steal. Yes, steal. Read these words the fast way. Get ready. Play. Yes, play. Get ready. Must. Yes, must. Let's read these words the fast way without making a mistake. Get ready. Kite. Yes, kite. Get ready. Kick. Yes, kick. Get ready. Steal. Yes, steal. Get ready. Play. Yes, playing. Get ready. Must. Yes, must. Boys and girls, pick your reader up from under your seat. So the kids are saying kit, or I'm sorry, they're saying kite, kit, steal, plain must what the hell bush is sitting there he looks very uncomfortable during this whole thing by the way and then (laughs) the teacher very creepily is like get ready yeah that's that whole i don't know about that teacher man steel plane must kite could be interpreted as a plane well they said plane i know but i mean kite kit steel plane must get ready that's so fucking weird. It's yeah, it's really weird. I don't know if it means anything. I just found it very weird, very creepy. On point about stuff, and that's so weird. Well, how? How? I don't know. Some people believe that there it has something to do with some sort of ritual. It was a ritual and, sacrifice that day, and we needed some childrens to chant the. I mean, allegedly, the elite used children to do all kinds of weird things. But Bush was looking uncomfortable. Did he just have to fart? He looked he looked to me like he was uncomfortable. <laughs> kind of like, uh, ooh, what the fuck? I don't know what this is, but uh, yeah, he looked uncomfortable to me. But I don't really have anything else for this episode, man. I don't either. Next week, I'll tell you how the Jews did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. I'm serious. That's a thing. There's a thing called the uh, the jumping Jews, where the oh bunch of God. bunch of Jewish guys are all, we're all happy on that day. <laughs> maybe the, maybe that's what I'll focus on next week. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, I guess. Do you think it happened the way they told us it happened? You know, the winners write the history. Can we believe the official story? I don't know. Tell us what you think. Podchaser.com slash bring on the weird. Apple Podcasts, search bring on the weird. Leave us five stars and tell us what you think about about that. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, but all those can be found on weirdnesshq.com slash bring. Yeah, weirdnesshq.com slash bring on the weird. You never mess up a link, dude. It's usually me. You frozen? Can you hear me? What? I can hear you now. Oh, I just got something called a dropout pop up on Audacity. What the fuck was that? What is going on here? Now it says your internet connection is unstable. You? Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now you can finish up. (laughs) If you guys want some dope merch, go to zazzle.com slash store slash bring on the weird. Myconspiracytees.com slash bring on the weird. Or tpublic.com and just search for us. That's that.
Next week, Elijah will tell you how the Jews did it. Stay weird, weird world. <laughs> I was fucking with you. <laughs> Say it. I don't care. No, you don't. <laughs> Stay weird, world. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Human Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now